Welcome to the Plastic Pleasing Store Podcast. We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer. And me, Miles Grab. A podcast about the natural world. Things that people claim are part of the natural world. And things that used to be. Y'all know me. Know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but ain't gonna be easy. Bad fish. Not like going down to the pond and chasing bluegills and tommy cods. This shark will swallow you whole. Little shaking, little tenderizing. Down you go. Now we gotta do it quick. That'll bring those tourists and put you all back in business on a paying basis. But it's not gonna be pleasant. I value my neck a lot. I value my neck a lot more than three thousand bucks, Chief. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and I'll kill him for ten. But you gotta make up your minds. You want to stay alive and any up, or you want to play it cheap, be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Hey, Trey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I was trying to figure out if I should clap or not. It's pretty good. It's pretty good quint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was on topic because uh, we're doing a special episode today about uh, sharks, a particular shark, sharks. That, giant sharks that's definitely still alive. <laughs> uh, oh Are yeah, you, how, you have, you, how that, have you been, Miles? It's been yeah. a while. Oh, I've been doing pretty good. You know, finishing finishing my book, trying to get it out there as fast as I can. Here, uh, my comic book, the artist. Um, hopefully getting released soon. Been working on that and, you know, just hanging out with the fiance, eating some good food. We went to this giant vintage mall in this weird old people town that's up the road from us. And we looked at weird old Christmas stuff. So that was fun. And you, you, I saw like the Grinch. You were eating that place with like the Grinch. It, um, yeah, there's like this house that's turned into a nice restaurant. And I went and I ate the food and it was a good food. And then I went out. And I thought it was like a robot Grinch, not like a robot, you know, but an animatronic. And I was like looking at it and then it started moving in lots of different ways. And I realized there was a person in there. So it's kind of awkward because I was like eyeing him. Yeah. But it was good. It's like your your animal instincts kick in right there. Yeah, I know. Oh, I was gosh. like, ah, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but things are good. My um My football team has been completely dominating. So I've been enjoying that. Go Niners. And, uh, oh, nice. uh, yeah, I'm flying down to California in a few days to see the family for Christmas. So we're just trying to get a plastic please sort of podcast out there so people could have it to listen to on their travels and the holidays and stuff. And, uh, also mm-hmm. I miss talking to my buddy Trey. Me too. I miss talking to miles. It's good. Yeah. It's good to hear you back again. Yeah. Talk about some crazy stuff about shocks. They got <laughs> dead eyes, like a doll's eyes. <laughs> I, I love Jaws. Jaws, uh, like I'm. It's been uh, like I did like a Jaws themed video like a couple of years ago. Yeah, you did so a I, whole like, thing about Bruce, right? I did. I did do a whole thing about Bruce, and and like that, like I like watched the movie like twice, and then like read the book and stuff. It was very worth it. It was very good. Jaws is I, good, I love man. Jaws. It's a it's a good ass movie. Can't say it's not. And sharks are fascinating. Sharks are cool. Yeah, man. Poor sharks get. Killed a lot by us for no reason. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a shame that movie. The movie's both really, really awesome, but also misinformed a lot of people about sharks. 
Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. But yes, yes. The sharks are later on in this episode. Whoa. I, I, I got a story. I got a story that's unrelated to sharks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I normally I try to set you up with a segue, but it's your story, buddy. You got to segue yourself. I'm sorry. I, I segued myself. That was a seamless segue. I'm, it's yes, really good. Seamless. Hashtag seamless. All right. Um, I got a, I got an interesting story today. So this okay. is not like a current event or anything. It's just something that I I found out recently. Like it's current to me. It's new to me. All right. That's good. Um, and it has to do with I saw a Twitter post about. Um, uh, uh, Miles, are you familiar? You, you probably are familiar with Billy, Billy. Oh shoot, Billy Meyer, Billy Maya, Maya. How do you, how do you pronounce this name? He's 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 uh, from Switzerland. He's from Switzerland. Let's see. How would you pronounce that, Miles? I put it in the chat. Uh, that's a uh, Meyer. Meyer. Okay, Gotta Billy Meyer. Meyer. And if I'm wrong, whatever. Words are words are words are wind. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Billy Meyer, um, that name probably doesn't mean that much to most people, but he is, um, they probably recognize one of his most famous works. Um, he, so in the, in the show X-Files, that a lot of people have seen the X-Files if they're into like cryptids and Bigfoot and stuff. Just a good um, show. He is the person that took that original, um, I want to believe, uh, UFO poster. Yeah. That flying saucer. The flying saucer picture and like over the field in the woods and stuff. Um, he so so that is his photo, um, and he he claims that he took that photo um, with his camera. I don't know where, but I'm assuming it's in Switzerland. Um, and he claims that he encountered encountered that UFO, and the show took it, um, but they didn't get copyright from him like directly. Uh, so they had to change it. If you watch X Files, they have to change it at some point to a slightly legally distinct photograph. There's like a plaque where that photo was allegedly taken. Really? Dang. Yeah. We should visit it. Yeah, sure. If someone wants to pay for us to <laughs> go over there, I'll go over there. Because it, it has historical significance. Because It does. It right? has historical significance in the history of UFO cults. Um, so yes, he, he's a, he's an interesting character. I like, and I, 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 my story is about him because um, he, he is famous for that UFO cause he, he took a lot of flying saucer photos. Um, like I think he has a whole book full of them. Like he encountered these, the, the aliens like uh, pretty regularly. Apparently it's, it's pretty rad to um, just run into them all the time. You know, that's wow. <laughs> it's interesting how this happens this is how this happens. Cause, um, cause remember, remember like there was, we were watching like a Bigfoot thing and there was like, I regularly have contact with Bigfoot like once a year or something. Yeah. Or <laughs> like, it's or, kind of amazing that this happens. Or you're like Joseph Smith and you find all kinds of magic seeing stones and golden plates, you know, and shit just keeps happening to the same people. It's awesome. You're just very lucky. Very yeah, lucky. It's, it's, it's fucking, or they just like you, I guess. Just jealous. Um, <laughs> I've seen zero creatures he, that don't exist. You know, these people have seen all kinds of them. Well, Miles, you haven't heard the 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 start of it with him. So he he's an interesting guy. He claims to be like a religious prophet. Um, he only has one arm. He lost it in a bus accident, apparently. Oh, well, so he's like this old one armed man. Um, and he takes he 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 encounters these UFOs pretty regularly, but also he he meets the aliens, and um and he goes on their spaceships and stuff. Oh yeah, and, um, did he bring anything back? Day, well, he brought back these photos, Miles, and he had, he's, he's less famous for 
his dinosaur photographs. Oh shit! I see. I didn't even know about this. Which you, you didn't think even know I would? I, I think I would. I, I want to know about it. So keep <laughs> keep talking. <laughs> well, he, he. I will say that like his photographs are like oddly beautiful. Like I want to believe photographs like the the in the field and stuff. It's kind of beautiful. It's in like a. It's got like this like vintage retro feel. Yeah, and it's like and I don't know. It's kind of great. His dinosaur photographs are interesting too, where he claims that he was taken aboard the ufo spaceships uh he he gives a name to the aliens what, what are they called they're like plagerian plagerian or something like that some some fake name <laughs> i don't mean to make judgment already um and he he in the 60s and 70s they took him on their ufo and then time traveled miles they, they traveled back in time into earth's past when in uh in the 1970s no 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 when did, where did they go Oh, uh, into the nondescript Mesozoic era. Oh, fuck. It's awesome. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> one to go to, he, though, I guess. He, he's returned with photos. He returned with photos of his, his time-traveling exploits, and um, they're dinosaurs. Let me see if I can find a picture of his dinosaur photos to, to show you. Um, and they're blurry. They're all blurry. They're a little... Um, <laughs> here's one. Here's one. Here's like a pterosaur. Let's see. Let's hope do this, do this they look flipped. like um, what we thought pterosaurs used to look like, or do they look like what pterosaurs probably look like? That that's interesting that you ask that, Mon. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you ask that question. It's kind of a sneaky um, uh, giveaway on a lot of the stuff, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, I like the photo. I, I I believe it myself. That's it. He saw like, it. Like he he brought back rolls and rolls of photographs of like of his encounters with the the. The aliens like he traveled the universe with them Damn. and so, they're all like blurry so i guess he discovered focus. that time travel like has an effect on um film right it makes it blurry and hard to like um like develop the film right yes and that's yes. why they're it, all blurry it, it, they're all blurry and they're all like grainy and out of focus and uh and yes and so he he took several of like dinosaurs um, but they all look like how dinosaurs look like in the the like seventies. Oh, he met a hot blonde like girl. Retro. That's good. Yes, the, so th- that's um that's the alien. That's oh. one of the aliens. Wow. That is what's her name? What they have? He gave them names. No, that's um, the girl from ABBA. For, I don't know what he says, but pretty sure. <laughs> well, you, you, it's funny that you say that, Miles. Um, like I think he named her Asket or something like that. Yeah. See, I'm um, I'm onto these things. <laughs> He um so the thing is uh Miles they're going to be shocked but these photos were discovered to be frauds by who who said this the government <laughs> uh some of those some of those those scientists in their ivory towers um found out that the especially with the dinosaur photos um they are close up photos of um magazines and, oh. and paintings so it's kind of like um on the third Disney Star Wars movie where they just used a close-up picture of uh, Palpatine hot toy for the poster. Yes, that is exactly what it yeah. <laughs> that is. That it's is the same that quality is... of people we're, we're working with here. And uh, yes, and so he was discovered to be a fraud where he took, and then also like his UFO photos, um, like he, I think he went out to say, or at least his ex-wife went out to say that like he, um hoax them himself like with trash can lids and stuff um this is like stuff every day around the house and uh and yeah and then oh and the woman the blonde woman that you were focusing on miles um she turned out to be 
a um one of the backup singers one of the backup singers mm-hmm. or backup dancers um of the dancing troupe the gold dinger diggers um during their performance on the dean martin show so like he, <laughs> he literally like took, a, took photo a photo of his of TV, tv yeah that's awesome and zoomed in this is wonderful it I I will I will say like like stuff like this is so quaint to me because I love that like you could just you could just get away with that before the internet and like you could you could like take pictures of just like toys or like your TV and pass it off like as supernatural and people believed you like people took you seriously. The one dinosaur <laughs> has like that iguanodon thumb thing. Like oh, yeah, yeah. It's like the dinosaurs so out, are so out of date. It's awesome. They literally look like something from like the 1800s. Yeah, it's so I'm saying it's Crystal Palace dinosaur fucking shit. And it's like it's crazy to me that like stuff like this was like taken like seriously. <laughs> like, like like it's it's wild to see the world before the internet. Dude, Trey, imagine um, all this stuff you've learned, all this nerdy stuff and all this new science about dinosaurs and how they looked, and you get a time machine and you go back in time and they actually look like Iguanodon Crystal Palace 18th century <laughs> dinosaurs. And like we we got it right the first time and everything else we learned like, was a bunch shit. of bullshit. He'd be like, oh, hot, hot damn. <laughs> that would be that'd be really fun. That's a good premise for like a science fiction. That's what I say, right? And you're <laughs> like, oh shit, man. I guess we, we you know we should have went with our gut. <laughs> Just follow our instincts. Well, the, this this story reminds me of um did you did you hear about the um the recent there was like a new recent news story um about the um an infield haunting an infield poltergeist let me tell you i try not to um, listen to any ghost stuff buddy it, yeah this, this this is a famous ghost story from the um late 70s where um in england there was like a poltergeist haunting a house like a or, or like a little apartment home and um and there's a famous photograph of a girl supposedly like the, the newspapers and magazines and, and tabloids um, sent it around and was like, this girl is levitating miles. Here's the, here's the photograph. Um, this was taken seriously. And uh, <laughs> that's her levitating. Yes. That is her levitating. It was all in the news and all the big, the not big foot people, <laughs> the, the ghost paranormal people took it seriously. That like, this is, this is photographic evidence of this is um, a, a mundane interaction with physics. <laughs> and uh, recently, recently, like I think a so, month or two since ago, this is a podcast, this is a black and white photo. There are two twin beds with a shag carpet between them and like a poster of Dean Martin or something on the wall. And then there's something that looks like a 14 year old girl who is, I don't know, maybe four foot off the ground um, jumping like her back. She's not jumping miles. She's not jumping. Okay, well, she's levitating. Yeah, well, her her back is like at a, like a seventy degree angle from the ground, so like she's kind of like leeching forward, um, jumping. Yeah, she's jumping off her bed. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm describing. What I'm looking at. I don't. Know. The, re- oh, the reason I brought it up with because uh, re- that story, the the photographer who took that photo, Miles. Um, recently went for an interview and it said was explaining what 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 really happened in that photograph mm-hmm. and uh i don't think i don't think he said she jumped but she obviously did jump but he was like yeah she levitated okay <laughs> i mean let me find his exact quote why are, why is all the evidence okay, for this the, shit always so bad like <laughs> oh wait, guess- wait 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 the- 
the in infield poltergeist girl just jumped says photographer okay so he did admit <laughs> he did admit that he just jumped what I mean, what is there there's no phenomenon to be explained here it's just a picture of a girl jumping and they're like oh shit man you'd never believe this <laughs> but like miles isn't there there's something kind of like quaint and like wholesome about that that like back in the 70s like the supernatural paranormal community was like so desperate before the internet that they were just like okay uh photograph of somebody's tv zoomed in really close uh dinosaur toys close up photograph blurry girl jumping off bed that counts as supernatural like like that that could pass off and like people would still talk about it for decades well i mean that crazy i was i was gonna make a religious jab but it's fine it's christmas Uh, i'll give jesus a break okay Oh, it is very fun. I don't know. I, I thought the story was kind of funny. These, no, it is. Little... It is funny because it's like these popular photos and this guy is known for these photos and like they're just garbage, you know? When you're like, how how did this fool anybody to begin with? Like, why why did this leave Switzerland? Like, how did this get out of his like, like reach across like the ocean where people are like, yes, this is. Because people want to believe, man. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Oh, but but I did. I was not aware about the dinosaur stuff, and I and I love dinosaur stuff. So I was like, okay, UFOs and dinosaurs, because that's a that's a very fun premise. That like for like uh, somebody uh, like with photographs, like going like, no, I time traveled and took a picture of real dinosaurs. Man, I wish though that'd be so awesome. <laughs> like like that's a really cool concept, and I wish that was a thing that you could do. Um, but yeah. No, there were there were pictures of magazines and toys and stuff. Is is that yeah. where you'd go if you could time travel? Oh yeah, like like, like I like you can go back for three somebody... days safely, and you get you get to know you coming back okay, no matter what. You... Even like a split, even for like a minute, like you could like if you like took a picture of like what a real dinosaur looked like, you could like keep scientists busy for like like a like a decade with that amount of information or like um you would you would be able to settle like so many debates by just taking a single photograph um like i've thought about this because people have asked me this at like parties like if you could time travel where would you go and be like mesozoic era like one like for like a split second just to see what a t-rex looked like settle like hundreds of years of debate in like a single section (laughs) like it'd be kind of cool because it would be done theorizing and you actually see what they look like or whatever What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. See, I would I would take a bunch of like photos of myself, like actual film photos, you know? Um, and I would plant them. I would go back in time and then like plant them around in like places that it's impossible for them to be. And so when people find them and see my face, they think I'm like some kind of chosen one or something. So back in the future time, I could get rich off of it. That's how I'd probably do.
Oh my gosh. That that's pretty genius, Miles. So that like because yeah, you're right. Like leave like a leave like a bottle cap in the fossil record and ruin everything. Yeah. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> like I think the fact that stuff like that hasn't happened, where like where there's so few um like out of place artifacts is what they call them. Um, is like a case against it. Like, okay, time travel probably doesn't. doesn't well, exist. that and you know physics, and physics. Yes, that's true. That's true. That and fi- that and like literally like actual physics. Um, because like if if time travel is really real, like we would expect to find like all kinds of weird. It would be like that Indiana Jones shit. Remember that movie, Miles? I do remember it. I, I was forced to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but maybe there's a there's a time police that don't let this happen. You know. Okay time cops see the Uh, good thing about um arguing where you just like throw out random ideas is it's it's like an infinite regress of bullshit it's good it's great it's great (laughs) so yeah this this was my story i just thought it was kind of a good story um i will we'll post some of the actual photos on twitter once this comes out and tomorrow whenever i get it edited but uh good stuff i'm glad i saw the bullshit that uh you brought me (laughs) It's a really cool idea. I like it as an idea. It is but, a good um, idea. Yeah, it's no, a good idea. It's not true because, like, but, I, I think I had, I think I had an like a a little science fiction ideas for like a story once where I was like, they found like a photograph of an anomalocaris or something like that, <laughs> and it, or whatever. I don't know what I was doing. I was like reading too much Liam Cosman, I think. Anyways, anyways, we were well, talking. A- until you. then, uh, you'll just have to check out uh, Darren's. And Apple TV's uh, prehistoric planet. And now it's time for another plastic dinosaur podcast intro. Yeah, and that'll be yeah. the best we got. Close enough. Close enough. Um, but we actually do have a guest this episode. So Ooh. I suppose we should bring him on. So put your hands together for Tyler Greenfield. Welcome Ooh. to the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. He's been muted, waiting patiently while we talk about a bunch yeah, of it, really stupid. They rant about random like, for twenty minutes. Stuff. <laughs> so for people that don't know Tyler, he he's a man of science. He knows about all kinds of animals and stuff. Well, why don't you tell people what you do, what you're into, Tyler? Yeah, so I'm, I would, I guess I would call myself a paleontologist. I have a bachelor's degree in geology and geophysics, but I'm not really a geologist. I, I focused heavily on paleontology and I'm currently working on a master's degree uh, again in geology and geophysics. Awesome. I've also published uh, several papers starting in 2020. So, I'm still pretty new to the field relatively, but I think you could call me a paleontologist. I'll, I'll and do you it. might also be able to call me a cryptozoologist. Oh, wow. But the definition Ooh, nice. for that is a lot looser. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not any kind of ologist, you know. I just like this stuff and do the best You're I can. You're not even a cryptozoologist, Miles? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not. I'm low you class. You can call yourself one. It doesn't really take any credentials. Yeah. I mean, what's the field, right? I don't know. I, I'm... I I have approximate knowledge of many things, you know, but I'm not really an expert at anything. Maybe I'm an expert on like uh, magic cards, and that's probably okay. about it. Maybe, maybe Star Wars, but that's like a 
that was a that's a misspent youth is what that is <laughs> so <laughs> well, that stuff's valuable knowing yeah. like what that character's name is miles you don't know you might end up in a situation where you have to identify one of those random star wars aliens i'm in those situations all the time <laughs> actually and and i know their names and their backstory um, but I find out nowadays that a lot of those things get changed by Mickey Mouse and then people don't want to hear it anymore. So, Oh, yes, that's true. It's but, true. Yeah. Well, it's really cool to have like that, that, that background though. That's a really cool background to have. Um, I don't know. You did like to paleontology and cryptozoology and science. It's nice. Yeah. I'm really trying to blend a lot of different things together. Doesn't always work, but I try. No, well, th- that's really cool. It gives a unique perspective. What was your first interest in this? Was it you're six years old, you saw Bigfoot on TV, and you're like, I got to find that guy? Or you're six years old, and there's a T Rex, and you're like, I got to know more about that guy? Uh, much closer to three years old. I was pretty young. Okay. okay. Uh, well, and nice. I was mostly interested in cryptozoology and paleontology from books that i read yeah and then i watched tv and movies eventually but i really was into books as a very young child and that started my interest in these fields i was also just interested in zoology history any of those related fields uh, really sparked my interest hmm. so we on this episode um, we're going to do a little different than we normally do normally we talk about our second story, right? And then we watch uh, Monster Quest. And this Monster Quest is about, a, it's kind of about Megalodon and kind of about maybe some other big shark that might be out there in the Sea of Cortez, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I have to say that, you know, I always thought the Megalodon existing was a bunch of humbug. Not existing, but continued to exist, right? That it was still out there was a bunch of humbug. But I watched about 25 YouTube videos of evidence about Megalodon, and now I'm starting to say, hey, maybe he's real. Maybe he's still out there. What do you think about that, Trey? I'm worried. I'm worried. But maybe maybe I'm I'm too much of a skeptic. Maybe you'll you'll convince me, Miles. Okay. So you guys tell me if I'm wrong, okay? Because I was visited by three ghosts last night. After a night (laughs) of watching Megalodon videos and eating leftover food. I was first visited by the ghost of Christmas Celiacant. Oh, right. God. He appeared Bad before story. me, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm an old fish. And he's like, listen, I'm from the Devonian period. That's like 400 million years ago. I'm still around. And all these scientists said I didn't exist. The Megalodon, right? He went extinct, what, three, four million years ago? Yeah, 3.6 to 2.6. Yeah, that's like nothing. Silly can't still around. What can you say to that, right? And 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 what's the last large like really large mega animal that we found that we did not exist? It was a shark. It was the mega mouth shark. Where are they at? Deep water messing around. There's the goblin shark. Thought that was extinct. That's two sharks. All the scientists said weren't real that we found. So how can you say for sure that the Meg isn't around? That's what I learned from the Ghost of Christmas Silly Can. What do you say to that, guys? Oh. I would this. say <laughs> that Megalodon is a much more visible animal. Yeah, sure. Either a Megamouth or a Coelacanth. I mean, Coelacanths 
eats small fishes, crustaceans, I think. And mega mouths are filter feeders. They only eat plankton. Yeah, so they but they really got a eat. mega mouth though. Right. Sure, they do. They're not. They they're really, not called. They're not called filter mouth sharks. They're called. They mega have really, mouth. really tiny teeth, unlike megalodon, which has huge teeth. Well, sure, they got a lot of them. Since it has huge teeth, it leaves plenty of evidence of its feeding. Okay. From the fossil record, we have uh, bones from seals and whales that have bite marks and even embedded teeth. So, if megalodon were around, it we should see plenty of evidence of it feeding, as well as all sorts of other evidence. But feeding is a big one. Okay. You agree with you agree with that, Trey? You think I totally that? agree. Like that's the biggest problem with almost every cryptid is that it's yeah. like, okay, they need food. They need to be out and about. So you're telling me the ghost of Christmas Seely can't was lying to me? He might yeah, be all much. chained up. Well, that's fine because <laughs> after after he left with his his chain. Well, no, the, the chain oh, is I, Marley. You're messing bit. up the analogy, Trey. the The first the first ghost is the like candle one. That was oh, Seeley you're right. Candle. You're right. Don't mess up the I'm thing. The chain. The chain, the chain one was his like That's business Marley. partner, right? Yeah, Joseph yeah, okay. Marley. My bad. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. So then later on in the night, a really big old ghost, you know, greasy chest with chicken juice on it, ghost came. And that was the ghost of Christmas Mariana Trench. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that ghost told me something very important. It taught me a lesson. It took me to down to the Mariana Trench and showed me this is where it can live. Because I saw a video, I saw a video, guys. This is real. This is this is a real thing. These Japanese scientists put down some food down there that things could smell but couldn't eat, and they were messing around. But there were some little things down there, right? Then all of a sudden, everything ran away. Scared, a big motherfucker came up, like a sixty-meter shark showed up, and it was a megalodon in the Mariana Trench because megalodons you guys say oh they're coastal predators we see their teeth that's why we're not seeing them guys i i learned it from this ghost we're not seeing them because they live down deep in the ocean they live in the mariana trench away from prying eyes that's why their teeth are down there so i mean does that change your mind no not at all <laughs> no wow because wow. I actually know what video you're talking about. Oh. Fact, I'm, I'm in the process of writing an article about it. I don't know when that'll come out. Wow. Miles, you, you hopefully the sometime wrong within the next year. Wow. Uh, so this video is not in the Mariana Trench. What? It's actually in Suruga Bay in Japan. It was taken in 1989 uh, by a crew from National Geographic, not Japanese scientists, uh, by a Japanese, French, American all sorts of nationalities were in this crew for this expedition. And it is a sleeper shark. It is not a megalodon. I don't know. That's not what it said in the YouTube description. The U- yeah, you see it on YouTube all the time. It it pops up in the tabloids every few years, completely stripped of its context. They don't say where it came from or what it actually shows. So that's why I'm writing the article about it. I'll be revealing all the full history and background behind it there. I don't want to spoil too much. But okay. yeah, it's... It's actually got a really well-documented origin. Uh, famous scientists were involved in this expedition. Again, it, it was published in National Geographic magazine, including a frame from the video. Uh, so people should know about the origin about it, but they don't. Um, rather frustratingly so. Okay. <laughs> but listen, this, this, this ghost <laughs> wouldn't lie to me. You know, I trust it. It, it took me on an emotional journey. Um. It doesn't mean just because this video might be misrepresented as you claim, Mr. Scientist. Um, it doesn't mean that the Meg still isn't alive 
in the deep water, right? Because th- there's there's under there's like deep sea gigantism. It's a thing, right? Like animals that live in the cold sometimes get bigger than animals that live in hot. That's a science thing. So you should know that, right? So it's possible. So it might surprise you to learn that sharks actually have a depth limit. They only go down to about 4,000 meters, which is about 13,000 feet. Whereas like trench, uh, trenches, the Hadal zone, actually begins at about 6,000 meters, which is about 20,000 feet. So sharks don't even come close to living at uh, Hadal or trench depths. So we would not find any shark in the Mariana Trench, let alone a megalodon. Um, it's thought that the intense pressure at those depths actually keeps them from synthesizing certain chemicals uh, in their body. One, one hypothesis is that it prevents them from getting the urea out of their bloodstream. Uh, but there's all sorts of other hypotheses for the processes that the pressures inhibits, as well as being a lack of food resources. I mean, everything in tr- living in trenches is really small. Uh, you know, it's small crustaceans, very small fishes. So there's also not enough food to sustain any large sharks down there as well as the pressure being an inhibitor. So we don't find sharks anywhere close to the depths that you would need for the Mariana Trench. Well, what, what about this, though? And in 2003, some scientists put a tracker on about a nine-foot female great white shark, right? A few days later, boom, that thing gets sucked down like <laughs> 2,000 feet, lost without a trace. They don't know where it is. A few days later, tag washes up on the beach. They don't know what happened. They think it must have been dragged down to the dark depths. What could have done that to a nine-foot shark? Uh, a bigger be- shark. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you, that's what I'm saying. A bigger shark, like but the it megalodon. It wouldn't need to be that much bigger. It wouldn't oh. need to be a sixty-foot megalodon. Okay, but you got to. I get a little bit there. You're giving me a little bit. It's a bigger a, a, shark. Though. A little bit. Okay, but it so, was hey, probably hey. another great one. Yeah, pro- I ain't saying it's probably real. I'm just saying this <laughs> ghost told me. Think about it, you know, like, think about it. Could be the Megalodon. I don't think so. I think it was probably another (laughs) larger great white. I mean, great whites can get up to be 20, 23 feet long at maximum. So it could pretty easily take out a nine foot great white, which is only about half the size. So I don't think we need to invoke Megalodon for this particular so-called mystery. Okay. Well, I was visited by one more ghost, right? This ghost was the ghost of Christmas eyewitness testimony. Ooh, the, the most reliable form of <laughs> yes, evidence. the best evidence. <laughs> this was the most powerful of the ghosts. He had a very dangerous message. And, and this ghost told me in 1918 that this man, David Steed, he wrote a book called Sharks and Rays of the Australian Seas. Because back in the day, book titles had to be very long for some reason. <laughs> And he reported talking to all kinds of fishermen. Now, these are people that know the sea. This is like when you talk to pilots and they see UFOs, you always believe them, believe them right? Because they know the skies. These are reliable people, like police officers, people you can trust. Now, they said they saw... People in the army, people in the military, that, too. That's what I'm saying. It's like your mailman. It's like asking Jimmy Stewart a question. You can trust these people. If there's anybody I trust with the giving reliable size estimates and stuff, it's fishermen. <laughs> <laughs> it's drunken people under the sun alone for days on end. Anyway, <laughs> listen to the ghost, Trey, okay? Okay, I'm listening to the ghost. Listen to the too, ghost. It's, cr- it's Christmas, a, Trey. I'm too, right? I'm too much of a fedora-wearing skeptic. Yeah, that's right. 
Go, go back to slash atheism. All right. So they saw a shark that was maybe a hundred foot long and pale. Whoa. And this animal was attacking their clay fish pots that were three foot wide. So they were a decent size in the water. So they had a way to compare it. Now, several different people said they saw this. And this David Seedfellow, he wrote about the sea. He knew these people. He knew they were trustworthy. You're telling me all these people were liars? 100 yes. foot long? Yeah, well, nope. give or, give not, just not just 100 foot long. So there, so I, I investigated this case. I published a paper on Megalodon <laughs> sightings. It actually came out about two months ago. Uh, so if anybody's interested, you can read my more in-depth analysis there. But I looked at this case. Uh, it wasn't just reported by David Stead or Steed, however you pronounce it, in his book, which came out after his death in 1963. But it was actually reported in a newspaper article in 1918 when the sighting is supposed to have happened. And the newspaper article contains some interesting extra details that Stead forgot to mention. So mm. when he was interviewing these fishermen, there had actually been a large storm in the area that, that same morning. So he was inquiring to see what damages they may have suffered. But instead of saying that there were damages from the storm, these fishermen said that a giant shark had eaten their pots and even taken a bite out of one of their boats. Now they gave conflicting size estimates for the shark. One said it was about 115 feet long, but another said it was 300 feet long. Wow. Wow. So it is the Meg. Completely ridiculous. I mean, that's That's five times the size of a Megalodon. I mean, and it's three times the size of a blue whale. It's yeah, I'd say that's the largest animal that ever existed. I think it's impossible for there to be an animal. My, Miles large. is like that only proves my case. More. Yes, yes, because I, I mean, how would you think? Of, like, how big is is what's the biggest great white? What's his name? Big blue or whatever? He's like deep blue. Yeah, yeah deep blue. blue. Yeah, well, deep. I can't be. You got to change the name. Deep blue is the computer program that plays chess, so I'm changing the name. But whatever, the big shark. It's how big is it? It was like 25, About 30? 21 to 23 feet. Yeah. See? Uh, she's been visually estimated, but she's still alive. So they haven't actually measured her body in a scientific way. But yeah, well, we don't 21 and we don't want feet. we don't want a body shamer. She's a beautiful creature. <laughs> but my, my point is, obviously, they wouldn't mistake a 21 or 25 foot shark for a 100 foot shark. So it couldn't have been a great white. It can't can't be no whale shark, no misidentification. This was a megalodon, and I I semi agree with you. Yep. So I looked at the whale shark and great white explanations, and there are some similarities in the behaviors and the reported characteristics. But of course, that size is a big problem, right? I mean, if you're seeing this animal up close, there is no way that you would misestimate it to be that large. So I think that this is a hoax on the part of the fishermen. No. I yeah, think no. that the storm caused damage to their equipment, and for whatever reason, they were liable for those damages. Maybe they left the equipment out, didn't properly store it, and it was damaged, or maybe they even tried to operate their boats and, and their fishing pots out in the storm. But somehow it was damaged, and they would have been liable for it. So they invented this insane explanation <laughs> in a hurry. Remember, this is the same day, to cover up their their liability in this situation. I think this was a hoax on the fisherman's part. See, the whole thing I've been learning from these ghosts is that you don't do bad things for money. So <laughs> I, I don't believe these people would do this. It don't seem very, very good. It's not in the Christmas spirit. So people can believe your version of the story they want, or they could trust me 
and the uh, the ghost of Christmas eyewitness testimony. It's, it's well, up, see, to the, I don't, up to the listener. To I don't think their need for money is bad in this situation because the newspaper article actually specifies that they were Greek immigrants. So they were poor fishermen. So they could really have not afforded yeah. to pay back the, the damages for this equipment. Because, again, they probably didn't own their equipment. Uh, they were probably leasing it out from somebody who had a lot more money. Tiny Tim really, situation. I, I don't look down on them for creating a hoax. I mean, this is a rare instance of what I call a hoax of desperation. They they really cannot afford to pay back this money. They need to come up with some other explanation that could be seen as like an act of nature or an act of God that they would not be liable at all for. And apparently people believe them. I mean, David Stead was a, a scientist. He yeah. was an ichthyologist who published tons of scientific papers and books, and he believed them. That's Even though I'm he saying. was not convinced by the sizes, he yeah. thought they were exaggerating, but he ignored some of the other suspicious details and chose to believe the story was true. But he also had some mistaken ideas about Megalodon. I mean, he he was informed by outdated size estimates saying that it was 80, 90, 100 feet long. We now know it was a fair bit smaller. He also had seen teeth that he thought were unfossilized, but that was probably a mistake. They were probably just white or yellowish in color and he thought they were recent when they still would have been fossilized so he he had some incorrect ideas about megalodon that could have biased him towards believing this account well so it's 50 50 we'll say <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's 50/50. well you know there's two sides to every story and they're always he's, 50/50. he's messing with you he's messing with you he's, he's doing a bit <laughs> okay well what do you say about this guy in 1929, in the French Polynesian Islands, he saw a giant yellow and green shark with white spots and a square head that was over 30 feet. Now, maybe that's not quite the like Meg. Shark. No, no, it wouldn't be. He said it wasn't a whale shark. <laughs> he specifically said, I know what whale sharks look like. They're purple. This wasn't a whale shark. How do you explain, <laughs> How do you explain he that? Said that they're purple. Yeah, that's specifically what he said. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm also familiar with this sighting. This uh, this sighting was made by Zane Gray. He was a Western novelist, but also a sports fisherman. He yeah. wrote several nonfiction books on on his exploits in the South Pacific, uh, fishing for big game. And I think this encounter was a misidentified whale shark. No, um, he sp- he said it wasn't, man. You and I know him. he said it wasn't. Um, but again, the coloration is possible. It um, usually we would describe a whale shark as being blue or gray or even brown but under certain certain lighting conditions they could appear green and and zane gray had actually seen a whale shark before he described it in an earlier book and he said that when he first saw it it looked green but as it came closer to the surface it started to look more blue so i think he could have perceived the color as being somewhat different than what we would traditionally describe and again the white Mm -hmm. spotting matches even though he only describes a few spots well whale sharks usually have many spots uh, the lighting conditions can, again, cause some of the spots to be uh, not as visible. So it could look like it only had a few spots. Uh, and again, the size, he reported that it was like 35 to 40 feet, which is within the size of a whale shark. And the square head also matches a whale shark. That yeah. doesn't match a great white or a megalodon. We know they we, would have had tapered snouts that were conical in shape yeah, but not me- square. Megalodon might have big fatty head. You don't know, man. I I have a good idea that it did not because we know. actually have fossilized cartilage from the nose that either belongs to Megalodon or a close relative called Paratotus. Well, it does. could belong to either, 
but it indicates that Megalodon would have had a pointed nose, just like a great white and not a square nose like a whale shark, because whale sharks actually don't have cartilage forming a pointed nose. They just have a completely flat end of the cranium that leads Mm. to that square head shape. Well, that sounds pretty compelling, so I'm going to choose to ignore it. Um, (laughs) Well, what's next, Miles? What's the the okay? So, in 1954, right? There's a ship in Dry Dock, and this ship had 17 teeth removed from its hull that were six foot wide in diameter, right? Six foot wide in diameter. The bite diameter was yeah. The bite. Not the teeth. Not the teeth. Not the teeth. No. No, not that big. We're we're this we're not making up big sharks that don't exist, Trey. This is, <laughs> this is real serious stuff. Okay, this is evidence, right? And so, I mean, how do you explain that? It's a giant bite mark from a shark. You can't explain that's that's megalodon confirmed. Are you so, willing to admit that on the show? Absolutely not, because after going through <laughs> historical records, I was actually able to confirm this one as a hoax. You know, David Stead and his 1918 sighting that he reported. I couldn't confirm that it was a hoax, but I have a strong suspicion. And again, Zane Gray's sighting, I think, was a misidentification. But this sighting, supposedly from 1954, I can confirm is a hoax. So it, it allegedly happened to an Australian ship named the Rachel Cohen. But this is impossible because the, the Rachel Cohen was a real ship, but she was completely destroyed in a fire in 1924. Yeah. Over 30 years before this story is supposed to have happened. Doesn't that prove... Something paranormal is going on here <laughs> that the ship came back to life. <laughs> and since that proves that the paranormal is real, then the likelihood of Meg still existing is higher because the paranormal can supplant the normal rules of science. So therefore, the chance of it happening is more likely. Do you admit that? No. <laughs> so, so I, think, Tyler, I think there's some Tyler, soundness I'm, in that argument. I think this some, whole story is-, is just a long game of telephone where... where yeah. Details got mixed up and mashed together, and then there was embellishment. I mean, hoaxing added on okay. top of it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, where, where does the claim originate from? Like, does it originate okay, from like, so, a single book or something? So, if you allow me to explain, it's a it's weird and complicated. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It, it, it. it took me a while to even figure it out. <laughs> Nobody else Damn. has ever figured it out because it's so nonsensical. So, so we have to go way, way back to 1897. So there's this ship named the Eclipse. And it, it, it goes to dry dock uh, in Birkenhead, which is a suburb of Adelaide, so close enough. And they find some shark teeth embedded in its hull. They don't say how many, they don't say how big they are, and they don't say what kind of shark they're from. So then this story gets repeated again in newspapers in 1926, but the details have been changed. So the date is a race. No longer is it in 1897. Now it's just at some, some unknown date. And now instead of being the Eclipse, the ship is the Rachel Cohen. Somehow there was an accidental substitution. So now there's this idea that the Rachel Cohen was attacked by a shark and teeth were found embedded in its hull, even though that happened to the Eclipse. And it happened in 1897, not in 1954. But there's there's even more to it than that. So in 1950, there's a, a small ship in South Australia uh, that is attacked by a great white, which is supposed to be 17 feet long. Uh, when, it sticks, when it sticks its head out of the water, it sticks about three feet out of the water. And when they bring the sh- uh, boat back in the dry dock, they find three teeth embedded in the hull. So I think these details got mixed up and added to the story. So they supposedly found 17 teeth in the Rachel Cohen. I think that comes from the 17-foot great white. 
uh, the bite radius was supposedly three feet, which leads to a diameter of six feet. And I think that was confusion from the three foot head. And then the teeth were supposed to be like three inches wide. And I think that is confusion from there being three teeth. So I think we, we have this mix up story of the Rachel Cohen, which is actually of the eclipse. And then the details from this great white attack, uh, which occurred in 1950, uh, mixed in with it. And then there's a whole bunch of other embellishments added onto it. Like the 1954 date, I couldn't find an origin for. I think that's entirely fabricated. Well, I, heard, also, I heard it from a ghost. That's the yeah. <laughs> and then it also supposedly took place uh, off the island of Timor in Indonesia, which none of that is in any of the original stories either. So it's just this huge mix up of like stories being repeated, but details being changed and then details being misinterpreted and added to that. And then hoaxing added on top of that, which leads to this entirely fake story that has no merit at all whatsoever. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I <laughs> giant fish stories don't tend to get exaggerated. You know, there's not a lot of precedent for that. So, you know, it's just one man's opinion. Man. But yeah, that's that's all the ghosts had to tell me. No you know? more. Wow, Miles, it sounds really convincing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, the ghosts came to me and they told me these things and they can they convinced me. Oh wait, one last thing. I forgot that the ghost told me. I'm going to send you guys a, a one last thing the ghost said. Uh this was this was not a ghost so much. Uh this is the power of technology. You can't disprove this one. I just sent you guys a photo on our little group chat on Twitter. Look at this. This was on Google Earth. This is off Ooh. the coast of the Bahamas. We always love the Google Earth photos. This is a silhouette of a giant shark. Massive. Well, there's nothing for scale nearby. That's what I was about no, to no, say. No, no. How is... do we know it's massive? No, this is massive. <laughs> it's it massive. Be tiny miles. It could be like the size of a cat. I don't no, know. No, you can't see a cat on Google Earth. <laughs> This is a megalodon. Will you admit it? No, I, I'd need to see something for scale to determine. Uh, see, see, not, nothing will convince you, scientists. Where, where, where is here. it, Miles? Where was this photo taken on Google? It Earth? doesn't matter. It's <laughs> in the Bahamas. <laughs> see, you guys say they don't live in the Mariana Trip, so I'm like, look, they're in the Bahamas, and that's not good they're enough. They're in for the Bahamas. Either. They're in like incredibly shallow water. Well, don't you know, Trey, that only five percent of our oceans have been explored. Oh, is it, oh is, it, is it? Is that real? Is that the case? <laughs> yeah, you see, because like every like percentage of the ocean could be completely different and have a whole new ecology that we've never seen before from any other percent, right? It's not like there's just big parts out of there that are just like a wet desert where there's like, you know, not a lot going on or it's just like dead sea floor really really deep below the water it's every different percentage of that so that we're talking 95 percent of the water there could be shit no one's ever seen before new colors new kinds of it's species <laughs> you don't even know maybe maybe there's living things that aren't even animalia out there you know wow. you have no idea right, what, right, what do you say to that you got nothing to say to that no i completely un- disagree i mean it's, it's unfalsifiable it's so, so wrong. First of all, what do you mean by percentage of the ocean is unexplored? Do you mean the surface of the ocean? Do you mean the surface of the seafloor? Do you mean the entire ever-shifting volume of the ocean? How, how are we even quantifying this to begin with? I mean, that's, I'm gonna, a, that's a big starting question, and nobody yeah. ever says, right? It's nobody just ever the does. Ocean. Yeah. 
I'm gonna pop out of play in my devil's you're, advocate you're, character here. And just you're go right. Back to being like <laughs> this, this quote like is repeated so often, and I want to see where it originally came from. I I, I have researched for days to find oh. the origin of this, and have not found it. Yeah, there is. I mean, there as far as I can tell, is no origin. It is just a completely yeah a ubiquitous phrase among people in popular culture and sometimes the percentage changes yeah it does sometimes it's 10 percent. sometimes it's one percent so i had like no, there's a lot of noah up here right like big oceanic institute because i live yeah, in seattle yeah. and i worked with some of people that work at noah when we did this uh, march for science which i helped organize and so i asked them and they're like we do not know where this comes from i asked i sent darren a message and asked him and he didn't nobody knows Someone just said this and someone's like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And people just keep saying it. I tried to, like, do the math based on percentages because because, like, we have different, like, floor mapping things that have happened. Right. So, like, they did the satellite one where they mapped everything to five kilometer resolution, which isn't great resolution. But if you like you take that number versus how much ocean there is, like that doesn't get you these percentages, for example. Or we have uh, different scans, which are higher resolution that we've done on coastal lines and stuff. That doesn't really get you that. So I don't know, man. Someone just said this number and somebody liked it. Um, there's also different ways of defining this. Like there's like seen with human eyes, seen with a human made apparatus, seen with a satellite, seen with sonar. You know, these are all different ways of quote unquote seeing. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, a nonsensical number, but it's just in p- the popular culture. And I don't think you can get it out. Yeah, because it's like you, a if, variation. If you oh, talk sorry. about it in terms of the seafloor, we've mapped a hundred percent of the seafloor yeah. to a certain resolution. And there's currently a project underway. I believe it's called Seabed 2030. Yeah, to map to the entire yeah. seafloor up to modern standards and resolutions by 2030. And I think they've already mm-hmm. made pretty tremendous progress, like 20, 25% or somewhere around there. Like, so another thing, like, about this idea, about this, like, 5% or 10% or whatever you want to say, like, you know, you you get to learn things about how nature works or, you know, how physics works, how the the ecology works. You can make predictions about what's going on. It's not like you're going to find some lost world and some, like, corner tucked, you know, like, around some sea mountain down there or something, you know? Exactly. Like, we know how these things work you know like we know how animals eat and live like just like we know how people are right if you if you get dropped randomly in america and you want to go find an ihop you know you know where to go you follow bodies of water you follow rivers lakes and coastlines you're going to find human population you're going to find an ihop you don't go try to climb a mountain and find an ihop right that's because like nature like needs certain things to exist good so like in the ocean there's big vast parts you know, we're not going to find the equivalent of an IHOP for animals. So there's not going to be some weird animal there that we don't know about because it's just not hospitable. You know, exactly. For, I, mean, for, they're, they're I don't know if the IHOP areas, example yeah. is a good example, but IHOP comes up on the show a lot. So we no, talk I mean, there about are large the IHOP, areas right. of the seafloor that are, are not very nutrient rich. There's not a lot of sediment deposition and there isn't a lot of uh, large life forms. There may be smaller invertebrates like starfishes, sea cucumbers but not very many large fishes, for example, just because there isn't the nutrients at the base level of the ecosystem to support them. So we aren't going to find anything, like you said, like a lost world environment out in the middle of the deep oceans or even right. in the trenches. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so like like in the book, The Meg, and they made it to the movie, they 
they posit this, um, there's basically this current uh, that has heated water beneath it. There's like a layer of gas um, underwater and that keeps it pressurized. And so there's like deep sea vents or whatever that basically have this protected ecosystem, this lost world journey to the center of earth kind of area. Right. Like, like scientists aren't going to tell you absolutely no zero chances can't happen because that's not how scientists talk, but there's no reason to believe something like this has any probability, you know? And like also things like that would probably show up on the kind of mapping we have done because like, we use sound waves. Sound waves would bounce through the gas. They wouldn't be affected by that, right? Yeah, and we've landed on the bottom of the Mariana Trench in several different areas multiple times with submarines, mm-hmm. with remote-operated vehicles, with landers, I mean, cameras with bait attached. It's a yeah. solid sediment bottom. It's not a layer of gas. And and the whole idea does not even make any sense. It's It's based off of a misconception that the water being cold down there is what keeps larger life from living down there. So that's why there would be a warmer layer, but it's not the temperature at all. It's the pressure. It's the pressure yeah. And the, the heated water is not going to be any different of a pressure at that insane depth. Yeah. Cause I it mean, it doesn't that, change anything. Those animals that live down there, I don't know if they're actually classified as extremophiles. I don't think they are, but they, they're like near that, right? Like oh, they're yeah. like, they have mm-hmm. molecules in their body that most animals don't have that allow them to like process chemicals different in their body because they need to under this extreme pressure. Right. Like a lot of them have like cartilage instead of bone, for example, like they're like have a totally different physical makeup to deal with this amount of pressure. It's insane. Yeah. The fishes that live down there. I mean, like snail fishes are a classic uh, hadal fish and they're, I mean, they're essentially made out of gelatin, right? Yeah. They don't have any hard parts. When you bring them up to the surface, they just, I mean, they flatten out and turn. They look like shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they don't look anything like the living animal. And they, I mean, they are that extremely adapted for that environment. There is no way that you would get a 60 foot long shark with a calcified cartilaginous skeleton and hard enameloid scales and teeth. There's no way it would be able to survive down there. It would have to be like a little jello animal. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of ignorance of that fact. People think, oh, deep water, big things can live in deep water, which is true, right? Like there's colossal squids and some whales go deep and stuff. But there's a there's a level of deep beneath the deep, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's like I don't think you know how deep it is. How deep is your love? It's just like when people talk about space, they're like, oh, this might live there or that. I'm like, I don't think you understand how much space sucks, man. Like, like we, we got it pretty good living in this temperate climate that we're slowly destroying, you know, like it, it's not like most of the universe. It's very hostile to like complex bits of um, trace elements and carbon and helium, like actually sticking together and forming life for very long. It's just there's not a lot of places where that works very well. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Steve Alton isn't exactly a scientist. I mean, there's all sorts of bizarre scientific claims that he makes in his book and in this episode. That's the writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Um, That was the biggest twist of the Monster Quest episode was realizing that this was the the Meg. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, just so the guy who wrote the Meg. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's Uh, not a scientist or anything. They just brought him on because he wrote the Meg. Yeah, um, so I guess we'll play the Monster Quest. You have to, here, we'll, we'll get to the Monster Quest part now. Uh, so mm-hmm. Trey, sorry, sorry for my my Ghost of Christmas Past thing. I hope no, I quite enjoyed it. It was. See, a lot did, of- did see you- I I trusted that you knew these examples, 
Oh, so, we got an so, awesome guest for that. We got like the perfect no, you, guest you, for you this. You did really topic. good. You batted a thousand. Thank you. Um, I had a feeling that you knew these ones, and so I just kind of trusted you to handle it. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. I mean, these are the classic sightings. You pick the best ones. Yeah, yeah. there are yeah. plenty of like little ones that are mentioned in like one book from the seventies or eighties, but these, I mean, the ones you. And I talked about, I mean, yeah, those are the classics. I tried to take the greatest hits and, uh, you know, I was trying to argue in good faith for the Meg and find the best ones, but there honestly isn't really any. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult to play. Yeah, devil's I was like, I was like, days. I don't know how to really argue this. <laughs> it's not a good argument, unfortunately. Cause like I said, like some cryptids we talk about, like they, don't, they never existed at all. You know, at least the Meg did exist. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, Trey, I'm going to need a monster quest from you. Give me a little monster oh, yeah, quest. Yeah, yeah. Monster quest. All right, Tyler, you want to give us a Christmas monster quest? Monster quest. <laughs> monster quest. Head start. Witnesses around the world report seeing monsters. Are they real or imaginary? Science searches for answers. On Monster Quest. <laughs> Okay. There should have been a Monster Quest Santa Claus episode. Krampus. I'm just picturing my head like him, I mean, like they on did the an little... episode on ghosts, didn't they? Why couldn't yeah, they do they one on Santa Claus? I was grumpy that whole fucking episode. Let me yeah, that one's really bad. <laughs> I just, ha- I just have no interest in ghosts as a topic. It's just very me, me neither. It's weird because I like a lot of the fringe sciences, right? Like cryptozoology, yeah. but also like weird catastrophism theories and and things like that. But ufos and ghosts just do not interest me mainly because they're not falsifiable there's no standard at which to hold your evidence when you're working with animals when you're working with geology i mean there's actual science that you you have a base for when you when you're talking about ghosts or extraterrestrials you can just make up whatever you want and people will believe you yeah it's really frustrating and it's why i've never gotten into what the fuck is a ghost where where's how's the ghost come from how's it work it's energy it's energy that's what they always say Miles, what kind of energy my, they don't know. They don't know, yeah. Miles, did you forget that episode? The best part of the episode was me looking up on the crypt, the cryptids wiki for ghosts. And it said, and it, there's an area on the wikis that says first sighting 70,000 BCE, yeah, last awesome. sighting 2013. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I saw three ghosts last night, so I should probably shut the fuck up. But they were spirits, though, right? Maybe that doesn't count anyway oh yeah yeah the go- the ghost episodes were very desperate um so where yes, do we go but... where do we go guys monster quest we've, is questing we, we've gone to a place we we've never gone before or wait wait, wait we've gone to a place we have gone before yeah we go to the sea of cortez yeah we the sea for... of our the the place of our one great success the 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 place where the single episode of Monster Quest where they might have seen something of significance out of how many episodes are we on now like sixty or something? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know anything. We're on season three. <laughs> We're on season three. Yeah, of, of three seasons, it's the one location where they had a, a, a what could be described as a success. So this is basically Tyler, a getting you... the band back together episode. They get the same diver. Yeah, they get Tyler. Are you familiar with the? Name? Yeah. Are you familiar with the the Monster Quest like giant squid thing with the yeah yeah photo? I'm also familiar with Scott's uh, writings after the episode, oh. which alleges that they oh. fudged some of the stuff in the episode. Like, yeah, like oh, they yeah, take yeah. footage of that one squid that they say 
I can't remember if they say if it's an unknown species or a giant squid. And they say it's like huge, right? Like 20 feet long. And Scott later came out and said, no, it's not nearly that long. Yeah. Like they made that up for the show. They they exaggerated yeah. it. They did find they did find some good stuff, but they even then had to exaggerate it because it's just Yeah, I mean it's still by far the best episode of the show, but yeah. I mean there was some fabrication in it. Well yeah, you gotta be somewhat of a bullshit artist to, you know, hunt for creatures that don't exist, man. <laughs> I mean that's how it goes. Um so yeah, the, it's called Mega Jaws, right? But they're they're not looking for a great white, are they? Mm-mm. Nope. They're looking for a sixty foot. What they call it? The black demon. Yes, the black demon. Yeah. Ale- big, demon. big in big quotes. Allegedly, I have some uh, speculations about the name. Um, okay. I don't know if you want to do it now or get to it. No, later. we can do. So I'm not. We're not going to do our normal structure on this episode because, quite honestly, this episode's a bit of a mess. Um, so yeah so so what do you know about the black demon shark which definitely exists so i noticed this i don't know if you noticed this um but there were two eyewitnesses in this in this episode right and their sightings are very similar they they hit something with their boat they see a black tail rising out of the water i mean they're pretty mundane nondescript i mean they could be anything right um, yeah, but in- you'll notice that despite the narrator claiming that there are local legends about this black demon, you'll notice that the eyewitnesses never call it that, which is really bizarre. If there are local legends, like why would they not associate their their sightings with that name? Why yeah, is it only the narrator and the expedition leader they hired, who's also a co-producer? Why are those the only two people who ever say the name Black Demon? You got. I think Kelly- it's because they. They made it up for the show. I do not Kelly think this Min is a real Bimbe legend at all. Type situation going on. Oh, yeah. You, you you think you think that like the the black demon like name just just it's it's like a it was just made up for the yeah. TV there's show. straight up no legend about there's a black no demon legend. shark in this area. I I mean I have again I've looked at all the sightings. I have extensively searched through the cryptozoological literature, but also newspapers, other books never been able to find any mention of the black demon shark before this episode airs in 2009. It's mentioned in a few books after the episode airs, but there's, there's no evidence for this being a legend that existed before the show. Yeah. I tried to search in my research using like Wayback machine and stuff and trying to oh, find yeah, yeah. things. Um, if, you know, if you type in black demon shark, the only things you get similar are like fantasy references. Like yeah. I can't find now, obviously I'm searching the English speaking world largely. Right. But oh, and I searched the Spanish terms too. Okay. And like uh, El Demonio Negro or El Diablo Negro, they do not turn up any results either. So, um, yeah, it, it does sound like they're trying to uh, create a cryptid. I mean, what I think happened is that they maybe were under the impression that these sightings were more spectacular. And then they got there and did the interviews. You know, I mean, they've already paid the money to fly everybody yeah. out there and all the equipment and stuff. And we're sorely disappointed by how, like, I mean, no offense to the eyewitnesses. They seem perfectly genuine. I totally believe they saw what they did. But these sightings are not at all interesting television. No, I mean, right? like, they, they could, could be pretty bumped, much anything. Just bumped into something large in the water. I mean, the, the show suggests that they saw a whale shark, but it wouldn't have even had to been that. Could have been they tuna. never said how big the tail they saw was. It could have been any other shark or fish or even a seal. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So I think once they figured out, they're like, oh, well, we don't really have enough for these eyewitnesses to build the whole episode around. 
they had to kind of spice it up and build more of a background and legend to oh it. my and then maybe bring God. in more of stuff about the meg like steve alton and then bringing in the teeth collected by the challenger yeah that, so, that, so that's a whole other thing that's one i didn't bring up because i didn't want to get into the whole carbon dating thing i didn't think it was as fun but basically there's a guy but a couple hundred years ago uh, dredges up some teeth um kind of falsely carbon dates him because he looks at like the wrong parts of the teeth and then like says that they're much younger than like the three ish million years ago we think the meg existed so he thinks he has good physical evidence of the meg existing up until what like ten thousand years ago i think is what he said yeah so it's a bit different than that so the the teeth there are two megalodon teeth uh they're in the natural uh, natural history museum in london i actually managed to get photographs of these teeth uh, for for my paper, oh, right. so you can find photos of them there, and I also discuss them as well in their history. But they were collected by the HMS Challenger in 1875. So this is a British naval ship. They go on basically what is the first ever deep sea biological expedition from 1872 to 1876. And what they collect what all about sorts Alexander's deep sea? Okay, maybe maybe Alexander and his. <laughs> Diving bell would count as the first. All right, I'm counting it, but but move on. <laughs> but first, that we definitely know happened. They kept extensive <laughs> records that we I know be- are real. I believe in our boy Alexander. So so they dredged these two teeth from the seafloor at a depth of about fourteen thousand feet uh, in the South Pacific, south of Tahiti, uh, north of a small island chain called the Austral Islands. Steve Alton in this episode incorrectly says that they were dredged near the Mariana Trench. That is not true at all. How would they have they, done they that were, back then anyway? They were dredged, they were dredged the thousands of miles away in the South Pacific. <laughs> the Mariana Trench is mostly in the North Pacific. So that's wrong. I mean, they get that wrong in the episode where they yeah, came from. Yeah, like, he must know that, right? I mean... No, I don't think he does. I've, I don't think he does. Yeah, so here's I, the thing. I'm saying he I've, must know you're not going to dredge the Mariana Trench a couple hundred years ago. Like, it's just no, not... Yeah, really I don't know long, why he got this wrong. But he gets... Really he talks dredge. about some of the Megalodon sightings in his books, and he gets the details wrong about them. Of course. So I don't think he really pays attention to some of the particulars I, in these I, cases. I, I will say I kind of like the Meg movie. It was stupid. No, I did. I, I enjoyed the first one. I didn't really I care so much the for the second one. Yet. one. First one's like, it's dumb as fuck, obviously. But I don't know. It just kind of leans into it and is paced well. I kind of For like sure. It, I think it's know? better than the book. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but the, the, anyway. Sorry. Back to the back to the Challenger team. The Challenger. So they aren't actually dated until 1959. So there's this uh, zoologist, but he's also a cryptozoologist. His name is Vladimir Chernetsky. I think he might be Russian or possibly Ukrainian. There's not much information about his background, but he's working in London. So he okay. has access to the Natural History Museum's collections. He looks at these teeth and he notices that there is a layer of manganese dioxide yeah. that is accumulated on these teeth. That's typical for shark's teeth that have sat at the bottom of the ocean. They accumulate manganese dioxide. So he looks at the thickness of the layer on the teeth and then using a pre-established like accumulation rate, he calculates how old they are. So one tooth he thinks is about 24,000 years old, and the other he thinks is about 11,000 years old. But manganese dioxide is actually completely worthless for dating. Uh, mm. First of all, he uses the wrong accumulation date. It's 20 to 30 times faster than the recommended rate that most other scientists use. So that's already a problem. But then there's the problem that in order to be used for dating, the manganese has to accumulate at a constant rate, and it has to start accumulating as soon as those teeth hit the seafloor. And for these two specimens, we know that didn't happen. Uh, I mean, their roots and the whole inner core of the tooth rotted away. 
leaving only the outer shell of the tooth before the manganese deposition mm-hmm. even began. So we know that it didn't start when they hit the seafloor. So that's already a problem. And then the coverage on the teeth is inconsistent. In some areas, it's thicker. In some areas, it's thinner. In some areas, they don't have any covering at all. So it occurred at an inconstant rate. It stopped and started. Um, so we know that that manganese layer doesn't tell us anything about how old these teeth are. So I actually dated them using the fossilized shark teeth that they were found with. There are two other extinct species that were also recovered by the Challenger at the same locality. One is Parototus, which is a close relative of Megalodon. And another is Carcharodon hastalis, which is ancestral to our modern great white. And these species died out around the same time as Megalodon did. Um, And those teeth are also found at that same site. So we know that these teeth are really of the same age as any other Megalodon teeth that have ever been found. But you notice there's no sighting of these other extant sharks. Only the Megalodon. Exactly. (laughs) That's that's a point I've raised before. Which is a great point that people are actually seeing the Meg. (laughs) I mean, if you're looking at these teeth and saying the Megalodon could be alive, then why aren't you also saying that? Parototus and Carcharodon hastalis aren't also alive. Sure, or you know, an, it, there's an ichthyosaur out there. Whatever, you know, yeah, because like, it doesn't sound as cool as the Meg. No, nobody <laughs> knows what Parototus or Carcharodon yeah. hastalis is. Or yeah. what, what's the what's the me. one with the weird thing on its head? I forget what it's called. There are plenty of sharks with weird things well, on their yeah, heads. That's you thinking of Helicorporon? like the Helicorporon spiral? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's the spiral jaw. Yeah, the yeah, spiral jaw one. Yeah. But I mean, and then there's also the problem that when you, even if it, if the dating was correct and this Megalodon tooth was 11,000 years old, that doesn't mean it would be alive today. No, it's a, it's a plasticine era animal then, right? There are plenty of animals that survived to 11,000 years ago that went extinct long before the modern era, like woolly mammoths. Yeah. They survived to 11,000 years ago and they went extinct about 4,500 years ago, not in the modern era. Yeah. They would have. So it's a false equivalency. There's a lot of these bizarre arguments that completely fall apart when you when you try to apply logic to them, but they still get repeated. I mean, almost endlessly in the oh, cryptozoological yeah. literature. There, there's there's something about uh, good bullshit stories that are just undebunkable. It doesn't really matter how often we debunk them; they just never go away. Like the same well, same Bigfoot like- stories or same things for homeopathy. No matter what it is, it doesn't matter. They seem to be completely impervious no, yeah. to reason. Well, the thing about this episode is like they just give you wrong like just incorrect information um like yeah. in like the episode like i heard like okay I, I took a quote here it's like like the frilled shark long thought to be extinct but discovered alive in 2007 like that that's a, that's a straight up not true like people knew scientists and fishermen knew that the frilled shark existed for like a long time because they yeah. were like found in like it was scientifically described in 1884 it was right. just that it was first filmed alive in 2007 but not rediscovered yeah. so yeah they Trey's right. They get a lot of these little things wrong throughout the episode. Well, you know, the or, official um, least favorite only... animal of our podcast is the Celia can't just because like, again, it's brought up every single time anything's talked about. Oh, yeah. and also, the locals knew it was there. It's just it was less, you know, science like Western science didn't know it was there. So it is an interesting discovery. It is cool. All right. It's like a, it's hella old and they found it. It is cool, but it's not like no one ever saw this thing. And all of a sudden it was found. You know, no, yeah. I they mean, by started. by definition, the coelacanth is really not at all a cryptozoological discovery. No. I mean, if we're talking about the more scientific cryptozoologists, usually they would agree that 
you would have to have stories of these animals from the locals. And then these stories would have to be taken seriously and used to rediscover the animal. Yeah. And in the coelacanth's case, there were stories from the locals, but they weren't taken seriously. And the coelacanth was rediscovered by accident by somebody else. So it's not a mm. cryptid. It's not a cryptozoological discovery at all. But it's the, it's the best thing they got, though, man. <laughs> I guess. The, uh, something I think need, that needs to be like nipped in the bud as well is uh, I think Steve Alton. Is that his name? Yeah, Steve Alton. He he says he repeats this claim as well that only remains of a megalodon are its teeth, are its massive teeth. Uh, I hate, you, you hate, this hate, hate, hate this one. Because I, I mean, I literally <laughs> wrote two whole papers examining the skeletal material, not only in Megalodon, but also in its close relatives and the whole thing. I mean, this, this claim that Megalodon is only known from its teeth is so widely believed. I mean, I even see scientists repeating it, but it is completely and absolutely wrong. We have known about skeletal material from Megalodon itself since the 1860s. This claim I've heard on two different uh, discovery, um, yeah, programs it's talking about so that. frustrating it's i mean we have vertebrae yeah. we have cartilage from the nose we have fragments of the jaws and then for other species of megatooth sharks including other species of atotus we have other remains um one of megalodon's ancestors a much smaller shark called Cretolamna, we have 100 percent complete body fossils from that were only very recently yeah. described so we know what the entire body of its ancestors looked like it's we know to- so much more about them than most people will say, like, which is very know, frustrating. Like if you, you can just go search through some journals and find papers with names that describe that they're looking at these things. So Absolutely. It's, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I, I can do basic research, right? And see like, okay, we have this, we have this, this is how we know this. You know, I might not understand the preciseness of all the arguments, but I can get the gist of it. Like, why are these people that make these specials that they can't do that or they don't care? Like what's going on? I realize they don't have infinite amount of time, but neither do I. You know, like, I mean, I I did like two days worth of research and I know more than that. I mean, yeah, if you looked up like Megalodon vertebrae, I mean, Mm -hmm. put it in Google Scholar in five seconds, you'd have multiple papers. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not the hard. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And and then again, I wrote two papers collecting all the specimens. You can read those and look at (laughs) like 25 different specimens. Even if I was lazy, (laughs) I did the work for everybody. Just go ask someone, go, hey, Mr. Shark Smart Man, what's going on with that? You know, like it's not it's not really that hard. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, unfortunately, a lot of these TV shows and even now a lot of YouTube science channels, they just don't have experts or if they do consult them, they don't listen to them. Yeah. I know several instances of where that's happened. There's a lot of these like science, like Facebook page, like daily science things just post random headlines that are lazy. It's, it's, it's kind of disappointing because there's yeah. just always cool stuff. We're actually learning, which is the frustrating part, you know? I like, look, we love superlatives. Like the Meg is charismatic. I get it. Like it's the biggest shark. Right. Um, I actually think, cause I always kind of go on my like, uh, uh, like media kind of hypotheses. I think that the Meg is kind of so popular because like the Meg is Jaws to people, right? Like Jaws is like such an evocative story. People like the shark from Jaws is real and he's alive and he's out there. And scientists are like, well, there used to actually be a really big, great white people like, oh, that's him. That's the shark from Jaws. And they just want it to be there. And so they're like, they'll take any evidence they can even if it's bad and they'll just kind of wrap it into whatever story they can to kind of cognitive dissidence themselves away from the, you know, like where are the teeth arguments and stuff. 
That's yeah, what so I this, is, this is a really great point because the Jaws novel actually makes an explicit connection with Megalodon. Yep. So there's a there's a very brief passage, and I believe it's Hooper is the character who's talking about it. And he makes the mistaken claim that great whites and Megalodon are not only related, but they're the same species. And that the great whites are just like the little ones, and the Megalodon is the big one. So, I mean, it goes back to even the novel of Jaws, this connection being made between our modern great whites and the Megalodon. Yeah, so... Unfortunately, um, despite the information I got from reliable ghosts, um, I, I do think that Tyler might have beat the ghosts in the argument and maybe the Meg doesn't exist, <laughs> I'd have to say. And it, it, the Monster Quest uh, search didn't really find any compelling evidence, unfortunately. No. Well, what did they, they, they flew around in a plane yeah, and, then plane. Saw, and they spotted and saw like a whale one shark. whale shark. Well, that's cool. <laughs> that's whale that's whale shark end. are really cool, though. Oh, they are for sure. Yeah, there's not much to talk about. We kind of get into the episodes more normally, but it was just like, hey, remember those guys that found a squid one time? We're like, oh yeah, they're like they go kind of look for a shark a little bit, but not that much, and then they go home. So it's yeah. like, okay, it is frustrating because I I do even though I think it's wrong, I really do enjoy this topic. So I I mean, you would expect an episode about this topic to be much more interesting, but it's just really not, is it? And they get yeah, so many maybe. things wrong. And the main gist of the episode is is really just nothing. Because like it's, it's disappointing. Th- there definitely are animals um, non described by science in the ocean, right? Um, For sure, definitely. So there's there's probably tons of squids and deep sea things, and there's probably even like medium sized animals that we haven't seen. They probably aren't like you probably get lots of variations on on themes and successful niches that we've seen before. But hey, you don't know. So, like, scientists aren't saying we know everything about that. We're just saying this one thing that we used to know existed. We have a trail from its existence, and then the trail stops. Um, it doesn't exist in the niche it evolved into existing. It's a not very, in a, you know, it's not very stealthy. It's kind of big. You'd kind of notice it. You'd see the teeth. None of those things are there. So we just have absolutely no reason to believe it still exists. But for some reason, the, like, the depths of the ocean and like the mystery of like this, this place that like, we're you know, is alien to us. Like it defeats that other argument. It's too magical that the ocean is, is dark and seemingly infinite and mysterious to us. So like, we just can't get over it and we can't accept that the shark isn't there. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's just a very deep, old cultural thing to have a fear but also a twisted fascination with the oceans and especially the deep oceans because for the longest time we did not know that much about them besides what was occasionally caught by fishermen or what washed up on shore as this distorted corpse you know i mean that's how we initially Mm -hmm. knew about a lot of deep sea species but people even weirder right because like i don't know if this analogy works with everybody imagine like you're opening like like packs of magic cards or Pokemon cards or something. And you open a card that's like, you've never seen before. It doesn't look like any of the cards in the other set. You know, you don't have the internet yet, so you can't Google it. You're like, what the hell is this? And I just want to keep opening packs and you can't really ever be convinced that there aren't other cards that look weird, that aren't normal looking Pokemon cards in there. You'll never believe it. And so like, if you see a, a colossal squid or something, or a, a basking shark walk, wash up on the shore, back in the day you're going to believe anything's out there yeah, right exactly like you just, and then that feeling is powerful and interesting and mystical and like 
it still kind of happens a bit today. Like, you know, you'll see like an oar fish wash up on the shore. Right. And it's like, it's like stunning. Cause that creature looks alien to us. You know, even though we're in the minority, we're the land livers of the ocean. There's way more ocean or fish looks like something that like shouldn't exist. It looks like a drawing of a creature. And so things like that, it make it hard for me. It's hard to tell people this isn't out there when they're like, well, what about all this other weird shit that seems impossible? You know? Yeah. So that's what I know. But I think the big problem I have with it is that it's actually really disrespectful. I mean, to the literal thousands of scientists who have dedicated their lives yeah. to exploring the deep oceans. Mm-hmm. I mean, just doing the most amazing things, creating the most amazing machines to be able to go to these completely inhospitable depths and people just brush it away. Like it's nothing. I mean, the fact that we put people at the bottom of the Mariana trench is just as extraordinary as the fact that we put men on the moon. But nobody cares as much, unfortunately. You you could definitely argue it's harder to get to the Mariana Trench than the moon. Yeah. You know? And all, I mean, the thousands of species that we've discovered and the ones that we've discovered but haven't described yet. There's so much work being done and so many people. I mean, if just, you have a hall breach and the Mariana Trench, you're instantly dead, right? Oh, yeah. The water is so pressurized yeah. you would die instantly. Um, that's not true on the moon. You don't die immediately. No, like you no. die pretty quick, you know. You yeah, pick that yeah. shit up. I mean, it's not great, but you don't die immediately like you do that deep. Like that deep is crazy. Like, because you know you're in a vacuum when you're in space, right? So not great, but like there's this water sitting on you. It's not floating on you. It's sitting on you. You know, like it, it, it's it's a dangerous place to be. And yeah, it it kind of sucks because these myths are cool and I like them. But there's always this contrast to like, if you like them too much, you're kind of giving up on reality. And then you're giving up on the people who work their damn asses off to understand reality. And that's when it just sucks, you know? For that's sure. The- I mean, I, I love to look at all this bizarre uh, fringe science stuff, no matter how detached from reality it is. I begrudgingly admit that. But at the same time, I mean, some of the stuff that is real is so much more extraordinary yeah. and breathtaking. I mean, it's it's so much more interesting to live in the real world sometimes. And people just oh, yeah. don't want to. And also shark. Have, have you seen so the, the, the largest recorded goblin shark stuff? Oh yes. Yes. I, I have written about that. Um, that, that, I mean, that is an amazing discovery. I mean, yeah. the, the largest goblin sharks, like before the early two thousands, the largest goblin sharks that we knew of were only about uh, 10 feet long or so. And then in the two thousands, we discovered two giant females in the Gulf of Mexico that may have been almost 20 feet long. Yeah, this is double, an amazing right? thing, and almost nobody has ever heard about it. Yeah, yeah I didn't know about it until like a year ago. And I was like, "What? <laughs> how did I not know about this? You, this is I mean, awesome, you think it would it be all buried. over cryptozoology books, but they are pretty content just to repeat a lot of the same old stuff and not take m- m- more realistic discoveries into account. Yeah, yeah. It's just too bad. It is. It, they always chase the same ghosts too. You know, it's like the same like ten animals that extent animals they like look for all the time. You know, I mean, it is it is really interesting how ideas get recycled and how things that may seem more recent are actually very old. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people who think that the ideas about modern megalodon started with the Discovery Channel mockumentaries. Or they think it started with Steve Alton's The Meg. But no, I mean, this goes all the way back to at least 1918. People were already speculating about it. These ideas are not new or bold. 
I mean, they're, they're very old and they have just been recycled. And sometimes it takes a long time for them to become really popular and go viral. Also, because it's kind of going back to the debunk topic, we kind of already been already been through, but like wouldn't these things, if they were still there, they would prey on whales. They would be in the migration lanes of whales. We'd be able to find them. Yeah, right? and think of all the whaling we did in the 1800s. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like how it, how did whalers never find a megalodon? I mean, especially once hmm. they've hooked and killed that whale and it's dragging alongside the ship. I mean, sharks go crazy for that. I mean, a megalodon getting a free meal without having to kill the whale itself. I yeah, mean, you, th- you think you'd see it in like Inuit legends or something or any of these like people that have historically hunted whales for thousands of years, you know? Like, yeah, or never- the Polynesians. Yeah. Uh, any any of the Polynesian cultures, which have a lot of mythology and legends about sharks. Now, there are some alleged like fake legends. There's one called Lord of the Deep that I looked into. You see this sometimes cited as a Polynesian legend about Megalodon. It's not... It was made up in the 1970s. Yeah, Originally, it, it didn't even have anything to do with Megalodon. It's what we call in the show a whitro fitting. Yeah, but, it's yeah, yeah and that's more of a problem with Bigfoot. But there is at yeah. least one instance in Megalodon of there being. A I, th- fake I think I think Trey has like a pretty that. comprehensive Bigfoot video coming out. I, I am excited Ooh, for yeah. that one, by the way. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> you know when we talk about that. it on the show, we don't have like perfect notes in front of us, and we don't take it as succinctly but when trey gets his video out it's going to be really crisp and really good you know yeah like, i can imagine for everything uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's basically the white true fitting video um it's very fun very fun. yeah I mean, looking into some of those historical bigfoot accounts to get on a bit of a tangent is is really interesting to see the cultural similarities with other early bigfoot stories but also like non-bigfoot stories and it's very clear mm-hmm. that a lot of them are just folklore but that gets glossed over by a lot of the Bigfooters and they take them at face value as real accounts. Like the ape Ooh, Canyon yeah. story is a fascinating one. Yeah. The ape Canyon <laughs> one, like it, it, that's not even the same animal. If there's, if it's like mystic stuff with early Bigfoot and they just throw it away. Oh, it, it's crazy with like the original Sasquatch story, like where we get the word Sasquatch from, like, like they use like fire and like live in wooden house, like in caves and, and use tools and, and stuff and wear clothes. It's like there's so much stuff that is just like completely ignored. By it's like, just like like y- yetis like live in invisible villages and stuff, you know. But like and they had just, tails. There's yeah, there's depictions of yetis from like uh like native native uh art art depictions and like they have like literal tails and long ears and stuff. And then people just ignore that. They're like that yeah. doesn't fit the ape. No, so we're gonna ignore that. And then there's all sorts oh, of the man. newspaper stories about wild men, which are clearly just tall tales meant to entertain people, and people yeah. take them as real. And then there's uh, Teddy Big Teddy Roosevelt's Bigfoot story, which is not actually his Bigfoot story. I've been meaning to write an article about that, so hopefully I'll you, do that in the future. You should go to um I, I I've gone that to one. the Expedition yeah. Bigfoot Museum twice now. Um, it, it is it is frustrating to go in there because it's basically like what, like what Miles was doing with like the ghosts of of uh, Megalodon past or whatever. Um, it's like <laughs> I'm sorry that about that if museum. anybody was annoyed by that. By the way, that that was the whole museum, and then like it is done like and unironically. So you see like you walk from like the white fitting native legends, and then you there's literally an exhibit just for Teddy Roosevelt's Bigfoot, and it says that and it has a big picture of Teddy Roosevelt and stuff, and like. I went there with my dad and I'm like, I have to explain to him that this is all like not yeah. <laughs> this is all lying. Because it wasn't Teddy Roosevelt's story and it doesn't actually involve Bigfoot. And yeah. Right. There's and then there's a whole <laughs> bunch more background. Teddy didn't even 
believe it was a was a real monster. I mean, he thought it was possibly a bear or maybe a cougar. He talked about it with other people, and that's never been reported before. That's why I want to write about it someday. Right. Did, there's there's wait, a whole bunch more context and and details. Yeah, it's it's a mess. You should definitely read all the comic stories. proof, by the way. Proof. What's that one about? Um proof, it starts with um Jefferson um sending Bigfoot out to like trail um Lewis and Clark and everything. And then like Bigfoot's existed all assignment and Teddy shows up eventually and um Bigfoot kind of like it's almost like this special agent that like goes around and kind of deals with other cryptids and different American folklore stuff. It's a good comic. It's it's not too trivial too. It's like pseudo serious. It's pretty good. Pretty I'll good. have to check it out. Yeah. Sounds interesting. It's, it's cheap too. So it's good. Especially considering, I mean, Jefferson was kind of an early cryptozoologist. Yeah, right. Because he was trying to find his little weird mammoth guy and stuff. Yeah, he thought there were mastodons and mammoths and also giant lions because he thought ground sloths were giant lions. Yeah. I mean, he had he had all sorts of strange ideas. He didn't well, even think extinction was real. Well, that that was debated at the time, to be fair. Yeah. That, that, that was debated in the sciences. And then I forget the guy's name, but there was the popular French... Um, biologist and natural uh, the comte de buffon yeah he was just he yeah. basically he was like american animals are bitches because america's a back, backward swamp and you're all bitches and jefferson's like well fuck you man like which is funny because buffon never even went to america yeah he was relying entirely on like second and third and fourth hand accounts i always thought it was weird we didn't like bring up the grizzly bear in these debates because like grizzly bear pretty badass yeah yeah, yeah. you know they're like I, like I mean, besides we, polar bears, they're probably our most formidable megafauna. Yeah, I mean we have are they some aware the of bison and stuff. Yeah, but bison are herbivores, you know. So they're very majestic, but not as threatening as. I mean, a bison will whoop your ass, you know. But they you gotta, will. Yeah, but it's not the same, you no. know. But I mean, cougars are pretty scary. My my aunt was stalked by a cougar before. You know, I live up here in in Washington, and they're pretty scary. Yeah, you can scare them off more easily, though, than you can a, an adult male grizzly or a female grizzly with cubs. Yeah, if a grizzly, like, wants to do something and he's motivated, you're kind of They fucked. will mess you up. You're kind of, you're kind of fucked. You but know? cougars are more skittish. Yeah. Especially if you travel in groups. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, uh, I don't think the Meg exists. Uh I don't the Meg. Do you, I don't really count it as a cryptid myself. Some people might count it as a cryptid. There's always debates about what counts as a cryptid, but uh, yeah, I would I, not at all consider it a cryptid um, because to be a cryptid, you have to be actually known about by local people, and the, and there are no actual sightings that can be credibly tied to to Megalodon. Yeah, all the sightings are not even specific enough. They don't have any identifying characteristics and then they have characteristics that contradict megalodon there's actually nothing specific connecting these sightings even if they were real it's it's all based on megalodon's popularity it's the only large shark that people know from prehistoric times so that's how it gets associated it's a big problem in cryptozoology you don't have a video like the patterson video you know which like i obviously don't think was a real bigfoot but you know it's a compelling video people can argue about it you don't have like a marquee eyewitness sighting or like any kind of event or physical evidence that's maybe not conclusive, but at least, you know, makes you want to wonder what's going on. I just don't think there is any really there there with Megalodon still existing. I think it is just a want and a fun idea and that a lot of people either are tricked by it because their own inability to think critically or they just try to profit from it. 
Yeah, I mean the teeth were the only physical evidence, yeah. and they were of course misdated. But yeah. it is it is strange how popular Megalodon is compared to other cryptids because its evidentiary basis is so weak. You know, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness monster, the Yeti. There's tons of evidence, even if it's not correctly sure. yeah. interpreted. There is a ton of evidence that supports that popularity. But for Megalodon, I mean, it is entirely riding on like a handful of sightings a couple of teeth and it's pop culture power, the movies, the books, uh, the cryptozoological articles. It's, yeah. it's a different case. Well, sorry, Meg. Looks like you died. You were, you're a big <laughs> baddie. You lived a long time, killed a lot of things, swam around and now you're dead, but Hey, people like you. So you got that going for you, which is nice. You got anything to add Trey about the death of the Megalodon? I know it's 3 million years or so. A little late, uh, but uh, no, no. It, it's a cool creature, cool animal. Never, ne- we never saw it. It just yeah. like with so many other cool animals, and and we really have no reason to believe it's still around. Besides, just a lot of people hoping. Uh, yeah, a lot of hopium. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of hopium. A lot of hopium, not copium. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we had you on this episode, Tyler. Uh, yeah, you know, awesome. You know a lot about the Meg. Um, you were the right guy for the job. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you have a, this is something they ask on a different podcast on our podcast, but since you're on here, do you have a favorite monster? Like when you want to mention, I guess I, it depends on how loose definition of monster you have. Would you include cryptids in general in, in monsters? I, I think cryptids are monsters in their heart. You know, that's like, I think my favorite would be half would have to be the fishes that, William Beebe saw from oh, his bath ooh, yeah, yeah. various fishes that could not be identified. There, there's a lot of interesting stuff to that story uh, that doesn't get commonly reported. You know, he talks about them in his book and that's what people usually cite, but he actually wrote scientific papers describing them and naming them according to the rules of zoological nomenclature. I mean, some people have suggested that he made them up, but I think that's ridiculous. He that- clearly believed that they were real even if they were misidentifications. And I think that's why I find them most interesting. So some he people, just goes all in. Some people, I believe, have argued that he was like getting oxygen deprived. I, I doubt that because they had an, they had a CO2 scrubbing system. Yeah, not not my argument. I'm just saying just an argument. that For sure. I've heard that before. I, I think they were probably somewhat misinterpreted and misidentified. Yeah. I mean, again, he doesn't have much for reference for scale outside of the bathysphere. It's still pretty dark. They can't see very well. But I mean, I still find them intriguing, even if some of the details were misinterpreted, because they still right. could have been unknown species. Trey, you researched this know. before, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have loved um, loved it to be depicted in like a movie or something like that. It's yeah. So cool. I mean, his whole life would make for a great movie. He's a really He's interesting a cool scientist. And his, I mean, his popular scientist, science works, like his books are amazingly written. He was not only a great scientist, but a great science writer. Mm. It's always interesting when there's like known naturalists who are trusted that describe something that we can't find. Um, what, what's that eagle? I forget its name. I should know it. Um, are you thinking of Audubon's... Uh, Birds. He has a Western eagle that he said he saw. Well, that one was actually confirmed to be a hoax. Yeah, I know uh, that. Yeah, I think we <laughs> talked about it before, but but that kind of thing, though, right? Because you're no. like, oh shit, like is this is this true? This guy's reliable normally, but yeah, and and like BB isn't the only 
oceanographer who reports strange sightings. Like Jacques Cousteau also had sightings with various unknown fishes. Not quite as extraordinary as BBs, but it's it's fairly common for well-known ocean explorers to have strange encounters. I, I, I just think, man, sometimes your brain processes stuff weird, too, you know? Like, even if you're really good at it, sometimes you see something like, wait, what the hell's that? You know, you don't get a good glimpse exactly. of it. Your brain, like, picks up on the wrong part of it. And when you're when you're in that environment, in that headspace, it yeah, is so easy to up. make a monster out of a shadow. Sure. Yeah. Easy. What, what is the thing in Life Aquatic? The leopard, the jaguar shark? I was going to mention a joke about that, but I decided <laughs> not to. But yeah, yeah. Love what, the what would be the shark. scientific purpose for killing the shark? Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. I love Life Aquatic. Yeah. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. Oh, by the way, uh, new Godzilla movie is really good, everybody. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it. Uh, honestly, so. Yeah, Godzilla kind of related one. with deep sea stuff. Yeah, they they have these um, deep sea fish that come up from the bottom when Godzilla's going to rise. And they actually like show that um, inflation of like their bladder when it pops out and they like float from that thing. Um, oh, yeah. Which, barrow trauma is what they yeah, call that. Yeah, yeah. So that's it, cool because that's like a real effect. I haven't actually seen it in a film before. So it was cool to see. And fantastic film. I'm, I'm a big Godzilla fanboy. I would definitely say no matter what you think of the film, it'd be hard to argue it's not at least a top four Godzilla movie. And you know that's a really that's like good. sixty years of history of Godzilla. That's pretty high. So I don't know how much Godzilla you've seen, Trey, but it was one of the few Godzilla movies where I cared about the the human plots. Very good human characters. It does look like um, Japan's um, kind of trauma and like guilt and, and like confusion about um, dealing with post war Japan. And Godzilla in this movie doesn't really represent nuclear fear, but more kind of, like I said, the uncertainty of Japan post war, which makes a different kind of Godzilla in a different kind of movie. And it is damn good. It's a cool setting too. Really cool. Set, like post war and like the cleanup of like all the, the, the fire bombing, like the water mines and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very cool. Like it's a very cool idea done in a Godzilla movie. Um, and of course, Godzilla is like crazy in this too. Where, who would you it was rather? Like the first ones. Who would you rather have be real, Godzilla or Megalodon? I mean, Meg was real, but I mean, continuing to be real. I'd have to say um, Megalodon because I'm right, so Megalodon. interested in what it really looked like. <laughs> yeah, be cool to see. Godzilla would cause too much problems too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he protects us from space monsters if they should come down. Okay, that's true. So, space, I mean, you gotta, you gotta weigh, weigh the way the thing or Ghidorah, you know so where are we at on the science right now for how meg looked by the way i've seen different you know every couple of years we see a new this is what we think now kind of image yeah this i mean i it's weird because i actually have stock in this debate i mean i've i've written some about it and i i work with other researchers who have have written about this topic generally what i agree with is the idea that it would have looked similar to modern lamnid sharks. So the family lamnidae includes great whites, but also makos, poor beagle salmon sharks, because I, I have hypothesized that they are the closest living relatives of Megalodon. So even though we classify Megalodon in a separate family, the Otodontidae, the family lamnidae is the next closest living relatives. So I think they looked like lamnids, okay. uh, but scaled up. There would be some proportional differences, um, you know, due to its extreme size. And this is generally supported by the fossil record. You know, uh, its ancestor Creta lambda that I mentioned earlier, it was much smaller, but it does have a body plan pretty similar to salmon sharks and poor beagles. So if we scale that up, we would get something similar to like a very large great white. So, so that's like what that. I think it looked like. But that is, of course, disputed. 
there are some there are some scientists who suggest that we don't have any scientific way to determine what it looked like, and I heavily disagree with that. Yeah, we um, can make reasonable extrapolations, you know. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's what I think we've done, right? Yeah. You know, we've taken scientific data and extrapolated from it. So I don't agree with that position. Um, but some have suggested it. Because I, I remember a few years ago, people were debating about, like, this, like, fatter-headed version of it. Yeah, that that is there was not there was correct. art on DeviantArt for like a like a very chubby megalodon. I have yeah. yes, I um, have seen yeah. that one. I mean, I don't want to be too harsh, but it is wrong in pretty much every anatomical detail. Wrong and bad and wrong. <laughs> it's just very clear that they didn't others. look at living sharks too closely, which they mm. should have done. Yeah. I've well, seen some yeah, yeah. I've seen a whole bunch of art of megalodon that probably isn't well well referenced yeah unfortunately even though it is a very popular animal there is a large enthusiast community who doesn't know very much about it but likes to think they do <laughs> yeah well you see that with you know t-rex or whatever you know any for sure i mean any there. large prehistoric animal yeah. has the same type of fandom but i mean as a result there are a lot of misconceptions about it oh so don't should... always trust what you see on the internet i we didn't really cover this i kind of feel like we did a disservice to our podcast but they did just find that uh the skull of the plesiosaur tray. We probably should have covered that on the show. But where is that? What was I'll, that? Let me show you. It's it's pretty awesome. Oh, I think my dad was telling me about that. Right? Let's see. It's, it's like pretty darn good. Looking. Oh, are you thinking of the the one of the pliosaur? The pliosaur is a pliosaur. It is like a hundred percent complete. It is amazing. I've yeah, seen that yeah, one. yeah. It's insane, right? Yeah, like, it's. I think it's the most complete pliosaur skull they found in the UK. Yeah, it's That's just awesome. like unbelievable are you looking at it trey i'm looking at it i'm looking at it let me see i'm hoping for skin impressions or something like that i haven't looked into the story uh, Ooh, i don't think there man, are any skin a... impressions but i mean the preservation of the bone is exceptional yeah look at that that is a beautiful beautiful uh specimen right there Dang. Yeah. it's amazing i haven't read the whole story about it yet i i, I wanted to it's I big been, too just i'm busy with the holidays but yeah i saw the image and it's just like stunning you know it's like how do you even find that? Like, how did it get preserved? Like, how fortunate are we to get to see this beautiful creature? Yeah, I mean, the fossil record is is really a lot better than than what the popular conception of it would be. You know, they always say the fossil record is incomplete. The fossil record is terrible. It's not as bad as you think. There are certain biases against organisms preserving, sure. But I mean, yeah. think of any soft tissue that an animal has, and we can find it in the fossil record. Yeah, that's it what we're learning more and more, right? Like I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, it was just like soft tissues right out. But as years go by, we're finding more and more of that stuff. Yeah, so. eyeballs, hearts, intestines, the color on feathers. I mean, shark skeletons, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we, all we got the we, we figured out the um, uh, the Archaeopteryx that was probably black, right? Yeah. Like, like I'm saying the ability to that's just amazing. See, that's, that's why it sucks with all the pseudoscience, because like science is like, we figured out what color these feathers were on this thing that's been dead for millions of years. People are like, oh, cool. That's cool. Anyway, the Meg is real because of yeah. Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all right, man. Well, fuck. <laughs> Sad. Anyway, uh, hooray for science. Hooray for Tyler. Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, don't listen to Christmas ghosts. Well, maybe... If they're telling you not to be greedy, but if they're telling you about possible cryptid extinct animals, don't listen to them. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. I'll try to get this edited before I fly out to California. Uh, have a Merry Christmas or whatever you guys celebrate. Goodbye.
fine. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. I thought I'd bored me, but...